This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Yeah, baby, it is hour two of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan. Hope you're having a terrific afternoon. Thanks for making us part of your day. We need more football news, Wolchuk. Where are we going to go? Oh, we got it for you. Don't you worry. The rumor rooskies are flowing when it comes to Justin Fields right now and where he is going to go. He was speaking uh, on a podcast with Equinemius St. Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown. Of course, Equinemius is a teammate of his in Chicago. And they were asking him a variety of things. We'll get to his thoughts on why he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram in just a moment. But he did also allude to the fact that uh, Pittsburgh happens to be his favorite stadium to play in that is not Soldier Field in Chicago. We talked about the rumors of fields to the Steelers. That makes a lot of sense. We also have another NFL insider, uh, Tony Pauline, who, you know, Tony, Tony's one of these guys where you take it with a grain of salt. He's been right on on a little bit, wrong on a lot. But he said there's another team that I'm told is genuine interest in acquiring fields and exploring a trade, and that would be the Las Vegas Raiders. And I could see the Raiders getting in on that as well. With Antonio Pierce, we talked about the Mahomes uh, breakdown yesterday where they're just going to try and be physical and beat the crap out of Patrick Mahomes. They could use a quarterback upgrade unless they want to rock with Aiden O'Connell. But it seems like a move to the AFC sounds likely for Justin Fields, whether it's Pittsburgh or whether it's Vegas. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, him even put his name on Atlanta a little bit, just talking about their weapons. Yep. And we know upon unfollowing the Bears on Instagram, he was rapidly following the players for the Falcons Drake you mentioned London, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's another one that, that you could see. And he's from he's from Georgia, mm-hmm. right? So all that makes a ton of sense. I love what you said about Pauline though. Shout out to Pauline always he's getting he stays getting his shots up though. He tries. Yeah, and some of those shooter. some of those things fall. Yeah, they do. Like, gosh dang it. You throw enough at the wall, eventually Tony. one of them's gonna stick for you. You know, I want to just I want to get a real clear here my opinion on Justin Fields. I just feel like if you know your guy is not going to be really dang good, you're spinning your wheels. I would rather take a guy in the fourth round and hope he's the next Dak or a sixth round. Hope he's the next Tom Brady, you know. Let's use our 20th pick. Let's use our second round pick. Let's do something other than get a quarterback that a team has had for two years and they're convinced this ain't the, ain't dude. the guy. Yeah. You're, you're playing a lottery. You're not trying to finish 12th. You're trying to finish first so you can win four Super Bowls. And I think these teams probably, if they weren't sitting outside of the top five in the draft, they'd probably want to do that. We're, we're going to take Caleb yep. Williams. We're going to take Drake May. They're probably looking at it like, damn it, we're not in position to do that I, this see, year. And that's what I'm saying. I don't even need a blue chip prospect to try this on. I just need to know that all of my other options aren't special. Right. Yeah. Here was Fields talking on the podcast about uh, the big story yesterday was him unfollowing the Bears on Instagram. The unfollow with the Bears. What's up with that? Man, <laughs> bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> But like, why are you why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Like, mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG, don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. That's true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears much more now that you don't follow them? Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay. It's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either keep Fields. We want Fields to the drive Caleb. So it's like, bruh, 
Man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just wanted to be over. We know unfollowing is a slight. We know the proper thing to do is mute if you don't want to see it for a while. Boom. Okay. Uh, and there has been plenty of examples of players unfollowing and it meaning they don't like the team or they're about to go somewhere else. Yep. You know, it is it is an undercover sign at more than 50%. You know, and even if it was only like 20%, it would still very much be news that people think there's a 20% chance you're about to leave. Um, so... You know, I just, uh, I, I just think the player in this situation uh, needs to check himself, maybe shake himself, and uh, realize <laughs> that everybody knows the Bears don't want you anymore, yeah. and you're probably sensitive about it, so you unfollowed them. You don't have to make up a story. I, it's great. Yeah, I think my favorite part, too, is because if you're unfollowing, the, it's not like the Bears' Instagram account is the one that's cranking out all the content that is suggesting like getting just, rid of you. They're putting all the tweets on the story. They're like, hey, we want Caleb. We want, like, yeah, no, it's not, not the Bears not account. They're not trying to rub this in your face, Justin. But I guess maybe you want to just like end all all things that, uh, like, you can go in and, and search like just certain words that you don't want to pop up anymore, right? And just like make it to where Bears are one of those deals. But yeah, like, a lot the, of ways around it. Yeah. The, the Bears actual account is not the one that's that's tweeting out or Instagramming out anything about hypotheticals. I didn't just like stand on it. it. Just, just say, hey, yeah, I've, I, everywhere I go, they're talking about getting rid of me. I'm, I'm a prideful player. I don't want to, you know, be dissed like this and then be yeah. like, yeah, go Bears. They're freaking getting rid of me. <laughs> they're firing me. Guess, guess what? If the fan fires me, I'm going to unfollow them. Right. You know? It's, uh, I'm going to throw, throw double barrels out. Now I will, I will respect the program director who gave me a great opportunity for over a decade here at 105 to the fan, unlike some of our alumni that don't appreciate that, you know? Mm. But overall, the brand will be unfollowed. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was hilarious. Fair. I think you're yeah. right. Like the mute, that's what a lot of people are coming back with. Like, Justin, you can just mute their account. You don't have to unfollow. You're I do the like the idea, though. I do like the idea that somebody is curating that, like we would curate our top eight in um, on MySpace back in the day. Oh, your best friends. You know, like yeah. every day you're waking up, like yeah, I don't know if I'm going to follow you today or not. Yeah, I'm going to go through all of my followers and from edit one this, to four, depending on what my mood is. Uh, hey, teach their own here with their social media experience if that's what you're doing. Uh, we have uh, Amazon Prime. Apparently, they're going to pay a record 120 million dollars to stream its first NFL playoff game after the 2024 season. 120 million dollars. That is absolutely bonkers for Amazon Prime. And happy retirement to Matthew Slater, one of the best special teamers that ever did it. Patriots 10-time Pro Bowler announced yesterday after 16 seasons. He's hanging it up. He is uh, going to retire. He said in, a, said in a statement on the Patriots website, I've given all that I possibly can to respect and honor the game, though it is time for my relationship with the game to evolve. The love I have for it will last a lifetime. You know, as, as good as he was as a special teams ace, the coolest thing about him, I thought, was that he just loved being in the Belichick system. Like so many players are like, oh my goodness, this is exhausting. I can't take it. And he just, he loved being on the Belichick team. He embraced it. was it. music to his ears. I thought you were going to say as good as he was as a special teamer was as bad as he was as a receiver, which might be true. I don't yeah. know. I mean, he didn't really get out there at all as a wide receiver. Well, he, okay, so he had three total targets as a wide receiver. He only had the one catch, but the one catch was a 46-yard bombski uh, in a critical Monday night football moment uh, where Tom Brady let one rip. Single coverage, Matthew Slater getting it done. Dude, that's... I've seen that one play like 10 times over the last 24 hours. That's a Hall of Fame <laughs> moment right retired. There. 
Shout out to Matthew Slater, though. He really did have an outstanding career. Rams have released yep. a center. He's going to be a free agent. Brian Allen, uh, as they're trying to clean some house, make some salary cap space, as are the Patriots. Patriots released a couple of players the other day as well. Lions are releasing safety Tracy Walker after six seasons in Detroit. Eagles are a team that could get in on that. The Jets and the 49ers as well that need safety help, I've seen reported. Speaking of uh, secondary, though, I brought up Stephon Gilmore earlier. This was Julian Edelman on his podcast. He had Terry Bradshaw on. The two of them together is comedic gold. But he's talking about when Stephon Gilmore went from Buffalo, joined him on the Patriots. It's their first training camp practice. Him and Gilly actually got in a little training camp scuffle. Here's Julesy uh, talking about that fight. Me and uh, Gilmore. I was pissed. They gave him $14 million. Over how many years? It was 14 a year. What? Yeah, he was a stud made me a lot better but i was pissed <laughs> the first day he came in he was a buffalo bill i wanted to show him first day of pads this is how we f this here he kind of hems me up on a, a flag route we get into it i take his helmet off i start punching him belichick goes you two get the f off the field hit the showers <laughs> gotta go shower with the guy so we, it, it was the first period i'd have so got we, a water hose outside <laughs> We start walking back, and we're pissed off at each other, and all of a sudden, you know, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we get in the locker room, and yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. Why didn't you go back out to practice? Because they told us to get out, which it was the best. If I would have known that, I would have done that so many more times. <laughs> get out of practice, training camp practice, first day of pads. <laughs> it's amazing. Just start fighting. Get the F off the field, boys, you two. We need to ask if we can get Gilmore on during training camp. Oh, yeah. He's back with the Cowboys. we got to ask him about this fight with Julian Edelman. Yeah, oh, I wish sure. I wish we knew about this story when when he sat down with us. I know at the when Super I saw Bowl this, I was like, "Dang it! Why did we have to see this now?" That's an epic story. I mean, Julian Edelman's like, dude. First of all, you come from our rival. This is like this is like somebody coming from the Eagles to the Cowboys, and the Cowboys pay the Eagle, and you feel like you're the guy that's supposed to be getting paid here. It's like yeah. I'm about to I'm about to show you a little something. Yeah, it can be tough when you spend your money on outside of the building, guys. Yeah, it can make a, a lot of hurt feelings. Luckily, he ended up, uh, I mean, he won Defense Player of the Year, so it was worth it. But Terry Bradshaw's reaction, like, how much was he making? $14 million for years? <laughs> no, per, per, per year. year. Yeah. Terry's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I and made did, that over my whole career. Bradshaw makes a good point. Like, you walk into the locker room, you just kind of, like, wait. You let, like, you see, is he going to go take the shower? Like, you don't want to, that's probably not the moment where you want to be doing that. That could you be know, You got to let, let one of well, them go yeah, first. Well, yeah, at that point, you don't want to start a fight when nobody's around, you know? Yeah. It's going to be you and that guy, and if that guy beats you, you know, then there's going to be nothing stopping him from beating you just a little bit extra. You know, you want to at least have somebody else around when you get one of these fights. They can go on for a long, long time. Uh, but my favorite part of that was uh, I, I just think he, he he catches the Belichick tone in a way. Oh, like the, he, oh yes. He, he, he's yeah. good at it, man. Yeah. He's really, really good. Now, from Bill Belichick to uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, we talked about this on our BetQL show on Sunday, Eric, and I threw this out there where if you're Bill Belichick, the only reason why maybe going to the the San Francisco 49ers as defensive coordinator would be, okay, they do have a lot of talent. You can be a good coach there, but also you can be like, I'm the reason why you finally won if you win it. Kyle, all right, I was able to come in here, and I'm the one that's fixing your in-game management blunders because I'm a genius, and you already have a good offense. I'm a defensive wizard, but I'm going to really be the reason you've won, and then I can go and take over. Maybe I take over your damn job, or I end up getting a head coaching job somewhere else. But Niners Nation 
has pointed out, and they're trying to build some fuel here for Belichick as the defensive coordinator with the 49ers. Niners Nation, just a fan base, just yeah. trying to garner well, this thing so up. It's, it's a fan blog, essentially. But I guess Kyle was talking about Bill Belichick a couple of years ago, and he said, I mean, if Bill became available two weeks from now and said he wants to come here, and I was told I had to let someone go to bring him in, that would probably be a smart decision to do that. So, so he, he was playing in hypothetical in, in land a, hypothetical a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, he has said, like, yes, I would be very interested in having Bill Belichick here. So now the Niner fans are running with this, like, could this happen? Could Bill actually come and be the defensive coordinator of the 49ers? I kicked off the segment on Sunday on BetQL saying if Kyle Shanahan dials up Bill Belichick, I don't even think Bill Belichick is, is answering the phone call. Wow. But then Walchuk hit me with that, and I was like, man— Okay, maybe there is a scenario where Belichick can win because he's going there and he's what made. Because right now, the whole Kyle Shanahan narrative, it's not even the genius offense first. The first thing on the line in terms of playing word association with Kyle Shanahan is is can't win the big one. Mm. And so if you can be Bill Belichick who gets to erase that stigma off of him, I think that's quite the notch on your belt. For Bill, yeah, I don't know if he thinks that way though. There's a lot of things I like about it. You know, I ideally I would like him to sit out a year and study, but maybe being in the league can help you keep up to date as as much as possible, even working with a Shanahan. Okay, so I I I want Bill optimized for when and if Jerry tries to go hire him, if if things go bad for Mike McCarthy. Number one, uh, you know, number two, I love like the the parallels between. Maybe they get Bill like they got Dion, win a Super Bowl, and then Jerry's convinced Bill's what we need. Wow. You take Bill like you took Dion, and you win the Super Bowl the next year. That's incredible. Yeah, you've just I, taken that a step further. I never even like that. Those weren't dots that I was connecting whatsoever. That is ingenious. Thank you. That that uh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Let's bring it all back to the '90s, boys. Let's do it. And if if you're if you're Bill and I don't know if he's I don't know what he's been doing offensively for the last couple of years as, you know, the head coach that is making the decisions and putting weird people in place and almost acting like offense and has not evolved in any way and but it's like almost he doesn't even care about it. But having the self awareness to know like this is I need to be around this, like how much can Belichick benefit from being around a guy like like yeah. Shanahan? I, I they could they could both learn off each other. Like like he's obviously the head coach of the defense here, and that's what his focal point will be. But being in the room, being around and and, and sharing quiet moments together where you're you're learning what it's like the other the other side of the brain, which Belichick has the defensive genius side. You're you're talking to a guy in Kyle Shanahan who's got that that other side of the brain where it's offense genius. If you're Belichick, that it, like that's a nice little thing as well. It's honestly like, a terrifying thought because I do think it could work and and it might be able to eventually get them the Lombardi that they haven't been able to get since the '94 season. And as a Cowboy fan that wants to see them just fail at all costs, I don't want this to happen at all because if it does, I do think they will be your Super Bowl champion. Does is is Belichick's ego in check enough that he would do that? I don't think so. I don't. He's the same Bill Belichick yeah. that, out of spite, is benching Malcolm Butler in a Super Bowl. Yeah. And is and that being the reason why you end up losing it. Like, we'll just let Alshon Jeffrey do whatever he wants against us today. I, I'll, I'll go as far as saying I think if he was willing to be defensive coordinator, he would have been the Cowboys hire. How about that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
He's got a big ego. We also have Bills Gabe Davis, who's posted on Instagram a seeming goodbye to the Buffalo Bills fans. I think Gabe Davis is going to leave Bills Mafia, try and take his talents elsewhere in free agency. And uh, how about what Jimmy Graham is doing? Have you guys seen this? He's going to join a four-person team intending to row across the Arctic Ocean in July of 2025. That is absolutely unbelievable what he's doing. It's going to be about 1,000 kilometers, approximately 620 miles that he's going to row. So, hey, Jimmy, you're an absolute athletic marvel. That's an incredible story. That's something. All right, thank you, Wolchuk. NFL News of the Day, uh, most afternoons, 3 o'clock. We have an epic investigation into the state of the Cowboys analytics department. I'll get that to you and uh, and so much more sports hodgepodge right around the corner. Coming up at 6 o'clock, Nick Engstadt, uh, Locked On Mavs, is going to join us and talk about all their big storylines. It's coming up here in the G-Bag Nation. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back. It is the G-Back Nation here on 105.3 The Fan. There's Jalen Brunson audio that's out there, him talking about his ultimate decision to sign with New York as a free agent. That's good. Jonathan Papelbon ripped Anthony Rendon. We're going to get that audio for you coming up a little bit later on as well here in the G-Back Nation. Hope you're having a great day. Right here, it's the backstory of the Cowboys analytics department. They were way ahead of the curve with analytics in their early 2010s, ready to pick up the tradition that Gil Brandt and the guys had set long ago when they brought the first computer into scouting. They were about to take that and and and, and into the next era. Uh, but something got in the way. We'll have that story and the outlook right now when it comes to using analytics to improve your personnel department and your in-game management. Where are the Cowboys? How confident should we be at this crucial piece of, uh, you know, the current picture for for being good in the NFL? Segments brought to you by the Frankels. Life's unpredictable. Accidents happen. Franklin Frankel, the go-to attorneys for car and truck rugs and DFW. If you or a loved one's been in an accident, contact the Frankels, 214 or 817-333-3333. Go online to truckwreck.com. Yeah, we go back to uh, our friends at Blogging the Boys for this. Uh, David Hellman uh, with the story. David does an awesome job. So Tom Robinson was their analytic czar, and he was a league trend center about 14 years ago. There were only five of him in the entire league in 2010. The Cowboys had one, and they were excited about leading the way, as I just set up. And, you know, where did things go wrong? Well, where did most things go wrong between 2010 and 2020, guys? JGs? Yeah. Garrett's in year three. Oh, no. He didn't like this. Will McClay had just been elevated. You know, it was after the Travis Frederick draft. Uh, their process was bad. The result was good. They end up choosing Trav over Sharif Floyd. Um, but after that draft, you know, they needed to make a move, and they elevated Will McClay to bring the coaching staff, the front office, and the scouts all together on the same page on draft day and sort of give them a point man here. And Will McClay's done a hell of a job with that. And he did a hell of a job instantly working uh, with Tom Robinson, implementing analytics into their personnel decisions. Because there's a lot of stuff that the naked eye just can't tell. And when you get that hard, uh, unfiltered data, unbiased data, it can change your evaluations. And it's been a big reason the Cowboys have been so successful in the Will McClay era. Jay Jeezy was not as open to it when it came to in-game management. Wasn't totally against it. But as one source in this story says is, Jason only wanted it on his terms, you know. 
analytics for stuff that he was specifically interested in for this game or maybe analytics that confirmed his own way of looking at things. Oh, yeah, of course I do it like this because that's what the analytics say. If the analytics disagreed, he would say it's nerd stuff. All right, so there's Jay Jeezy for yeah, you. These people don't know football. It's weird because you'd think he'd be more open-minded being a Princeton guy to some of these numbers. Do you think he called yeah. them data freaks like Mad Doggy does? <laughs> data freaks. These data freaks, boy. You know, I, I wouldn't know a player if he sat on you. <laughs> uh, another character in this story is Adam uh, Vonderhaar, who worked alongside Robinson from 2019 to 2022 as a football research analyst and now serves as the director of football analytics at Sumer Sports. Uh, he opened up about how receptive Garrett was to the analytical work that he and Robinson uh, would present. So we're giving you the backstory here, but also talking about how good should we feel about where the Cowboys analytics are. I think probably Eric can tell us how good they were when it came to, you know, uh, in-game management stuff last year. Uh, v- v- Vonderhaar says, I think it depended on what it was. You know, I'm, if I'm telling Jason Garrett what kind of plays he should be calling as the nerd guy, why would he listen to me anyway? So, like, that's part of it. But I know for a fact that there were studies that uh, we did where – uh, he would come to us and say, hey, I'm trying to decide how we should go about this. Uh, I know one, for example, was fourth and one. And he was like, should we hand it off to Zeke or should Dak be sneaking it? And that was like a whole study we did for him. And he took that to heart. So we give him this whole report on the deal. And the next game, Dak had two or three QB sneaks and they all converted. So that's on JG's positive side of the ledger. You know, David Howman blogging the boys did a, did a nice job of balancing it. Not necessarily slamming Jason Garrett. Gave an accurate portrayal of what it was. Um, and uh, he was much more receptive to stuff. It just depended on what it was. I think the fourth down stuff, maybe less so. So that's kind of where it uh, it got wrong for Jason Garrett and was maybe one of the biggest screaming reasons from the mountaintops that he had to go when he did. Okay, then they say, as we detailed in the first uh, part, McCarthy came in with a very specific plan for a robust analytics department, and this was one of several selling points for Jerry Jones. The sudden onset of the pandemic halted those hiring efforts, but McCarthy already had an analytics department that consisted of Robinson, Vonderhaar mm-hmm. and Alok Patani, a data science developer at Google who does consulting work for the team. And I, I think overall that's a good sign. Vonderhaar described McCarthy hire as, quote, really exciting because it was like everyone was kind of starting fresh. There were definitely some uh, reports from the Garrett era, and there were coaches that were still around, but they came in with a big wish list of stuff, which was exciting for us because it's like, okay, cool, let's start doing this stuff. Um, and you know, just, just, just puts a big spotlight on how disappointing that Garrett era was and how many different things from the play design to the analytics that were just so maddening in the final three or four years. And, you know, frankly, it's, it's the biggest reason in here, as I'm reminded, it's still the Jones boys in charge and they were okay with letting Garrett do that. Like everything was fine. You know, all this stuff was obvious by the by the time we got to three and four years from Garrett's uh, eventual dismissal. It had become obvious to even the most green of blogger that cared to spend 30 minutes researching it, that the Cowboys were way behind in this stuff. So the good news is you got to McCarthy. What happened? What has happened since then? Despite the excitement, McCarthy's first season in Dallas went poorly. Though injuries played a large role in that, once the season concluded, attention once again shifted to the proposition of expanding the analytics department. But while changes to the coaching staff were made on expansion in the analytics department never happened. It's unclear whether or not the team made actual attempts to hire others into the department under Robinson, but the stagnation served 
as an early point of contention for McCarthy. So McCarthy wanted more, wanted an overhaul after season one. Team's kind of dragging its feet. Brian would tell you if he was here, things can move slow over there. Sure. And for a a small family business, they definitely run like a corporation when it comes to the speed at which they're capable of making decisions. According to a current football operations staffer in the organization, the Cowboys had earned a negative reputation for their analytics department at that point. Garrett was seen as a coach who only wanted reports that backed up his perceived notions, and the size of the department remained steady even as other teams rapidly expanded. Robinson and Vonderhaar were frequently tasked with generating reports or studies and then later given more time-sensitive tasks that kept them from ever finishing what they had started on. So it was hard for them to get uh, momentum on, on projects. You won't meet a single soul who doesn't think Tom Robinson's it's a genius. He gets this stuff like nobody else, but not everyone is cut out to be a leader. And this is where the story turns to maybe Robinson had a significant role in bleeping some of this stuff up as well. Mm-hmm. And he was here for a while, okay? Like a decade. Said, we've had a few scouts come through here that are great talent evaluators, but they never got a scouting coordinator job, or they do and they end up getting fired because it's one thing to scout and a whole other thing to coordinate other scouts. I think Tommy's one of the best analytics guy out there, but he didn't have the organization skills to hack it. Vonderhaar refutes the detail about Robinson, but said they were, you know, really good friends and remain so to this day. Fair or not, Robinson's analytics department became difficult to recruit for. The perception from the outside was that it was a high-pressure situation with little payoff, and it led to a decline in interest for other analytics staffers to come to Dallas. Inside the building, there was a growing belief that the lack of organization and consistency from the department was the missing piece to McCarthy's overarching football plan and often resulted in the team lacking key parts in the preparation phase for some games. While the team had once felt okay with the trade-off, Vonderhaar mentioned things changed with McCarthy's heavier lean on his analytics department. And with that change came the decision to part with with Robinson shortly after the 2022 season concluded. Like most of these decisions in the NFL, it was a sensitive parting of ways that wasn't all that amicable, especially given some of the assumptions that were levied against Robinson. That said, even Robinson's harshest critics during his time in Dallas insist that he's a good guy with a bright future. And regardless of how things went down with that split, the Cowboys found themselves looking to hire a new head of their analytics department and with it an aggressive expansion of a department that had remained dormant for far too long. Now, um, that's in the past. We are a year into this new approach, and the new approach is cool, Wolchuk. What they've done is taken this guy, Ryan Fetter, who was uh, in Green Bay working for the head of uh, analytics for the Packers for almost McCarthy's entire tenure. His right-hand man was this dude, Fetter. Fetter now works as a member of the coaching staff and is in charge of communicating the message from the coaching staff into the analytics department. Instead of nerds like saying, hey, guys, would you like to meet about the football team? You actually have an analytics guy on staff who is trained as a a traditional numbers dude. Which is brilliant. So now you're getting everybody on the same page. I remember that from the athletic article we used uh, talking about McCarthy and, and kind of his fingerprints and some of the changes that he's made so now you're kind of having everything aligned instead of there being a break in, in everything like this is your department department now they're all crossover here mm-hmm. it's good it's kind of like the cross the hall stuff that they do during the bye weeks indeed indeed i you know i think it's something to be bullish about with this football team how do they score overall this year eric 
I mean, I, I think they, they scored, like McCarthy's always having game management issues, and some of that isn't necessarily to the analytics. Per, I mean, I guess to some extent it is, but so much of it is when he's calling the timeouts and, and, and all the different ways of should you should you punt and the, the kicking stuff is always, we, we, we look to the analytics on that. And I, I still don't know exactly what their process is of like him making the decision in the moment or how many people are like in his ear telling him what to do. I think he's he's definitely better than Garrett was in terms of being more aggressive at times. Uh, but he st- he botches things plenty, but all these coaches do. So I think by and large, he's just okay. You'd never really fully trust him when it comes to the end of game management. You're throwing the ball when you should have ran it. You know, it's the it's the Seahawks game, I think, where yeah. he they win despite the things that sh- he like his decisions should have lost you that game. And anybody would tell you that. But you ended up winning. So we didn't really have to hash it out too, too much. But there's always that with him. Uh, but he is more aggressive than Jason Garrett for the most part. So I think that's something that we appreciate. Like he's willing to go for it on fourth down. Yeah, I think the easy thing is fourth down. And then the, the I think the hardest thing to get right for these coaches is what is the optimal early down pass percentage? How mm-hmm. are we doing there? Because that was maddening for for uh, for Jason Garrett was he would predictably run constantly on first down. Right. And he would run almost the same play every time, like variety of play and variety of what you do on down to keep the defense guessing as much as possible is a huge component here. That's what I want my coaches asking my analytics department. Like, how predictable are we when we get in these alignments? Because we want the defense to legit be 50-50 every time. Yeah, and Kellen Moore was another example of predictability and early early down running the football guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And and that was broken down pretty good last offseason after Kellen Moore moves on from the Cowboys. There was so many different articles that were out that, that illustrated that. So that was a huge nightmare. McCarthy's definitely better at being more willing to throw the ball early and often, but he still gets into these ruts at times through the course of a game or a season where you're going, including the Packers game, where you're not getting anything going in the run game and still, here's a first down handoff, here's a second down handoff. Not as bad as Kellen Moore, not as bad as Jason Garrett, Scott Linehan, but he still has moments throughout the season where you're going, how how are you falling back into this? It's sickening, especially when it's so inefficient. You know? Yeah, and you're yeah. like, dude, why, the second and long why are you living for second, second and year. ten, second yeah. and nine? And there, there were stretches. That six-week stretch after the bye week, it felt like he was hitting all the right notes and everything was working. And then, and then as the season went on, it was like, okay, are you falling back into this? And then the Green Bay game was a huge example of it. It was unbelievable how that fell apart so convincingly or, or so massively after that win streak they went on. I guess we had warning signs in the Seahawks and Lions victories. Maybe we should have paid a little sure. bit more attention to that. But you don't want to style point it when you're on a winning streak and people are starting to get excited about what's possible. It's time for a sports hodgepodge, Chief. Where are you taking us? Football, food, and the worst trend among American men next here in the nation. Well, thank you, Lucius. Thanks to all the Tolos for making us part of your day. It is the nation here, the G-Back Nation and the fan. An epic round tripper coming up at 4 o'clock. A Jimmy Jack, if you will, from uh, Zach Wolchuk. Time now for a sports hodgepodge. Here's Eric Giafalo. Looks like Paramount Plus and Peacock are uh, reportedly in talks to merge into a single streaming service. So uh, what do you think they'll call that? 877-881-1053. Paramount Plus and Peacock. What are they going to call it? Uh, Cock. We, uh, we, uh, sorry, I think, 
I don't know if anybody's going to top that one. I think you might be on to something That was my there. nickname in college, actually. Maybe just to <laughs> add the plus to it. <laughs> Mount Cock Plus. Yes. Yeah, it's got a nice ring to it. So if you peruse NFL.com's team needs article, and we'll get to the single worst trend amongst American men. Here in just a moment, they love running back, and a lot of good, a lot of good food conversation to be had here. Uh, but I need to start with the idea of looking at NFL.com and their team needs article. If you if you parse through it, and I didn't, but Travis Wingfield did, and he reported back the amount of teams that need offensive line is, I mean, it's it's running rampant, and we know that. Like it's hard. There's only a couple teams in the league where you feel like, oh, they got like really good offensive line. Then it's like. Eh, it, there's a pretty significant drop off there, and some offensive lines are just patently awful, where you can't even find one guy on the starting five that you would even want on your offensive line being like your your worst guy. So you see, NFL.com team needs 26 teams have offensive line as a top five need, 21 teams uh, have offensive line as a top three need, and uh, six teams have offensive line uh, offensive line as the top need. Uh, so, and, and then five teams have multiple spots on the offensive line that need help. So everybody's looking for linemen everywhere. And I know this draft is going to be pretty fruitful in the way of linemen. First round, if you need a tackle, uh, there's going to be probably about eight that are taken. Cool. And then we're, we, we hear good things about the centers. You know, there's not always the center position where it's like, Hey, there's, there's a handful of guys at work, but apparently there's at least three in the top 40 players that can get it done from a center standpoint. So you might be able to snag your guy in the first round and it not be a problem and I've kind of gone the route where I think you need to address linebacker and defensive tackle and free agency and go get you that center that I think we all want the Biotish replacement as he leaves in free agency uh it's like you you want to go draft that center but I'm I've been reading about this guy uh who's a local dude Skyline High School he went to Texas State and his name's Aaron Brewer Center for the Titans, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Started 34 games uh, over the last two years. He's done it at multiple spots. I think he's, from what I understand, he's mostly a center, but he can play some guard for you as well. But 26 years old, he just played on a like a one year's projected one year deal for six million. So you're talking about six million a year. This dude, 26 years old, and when you read about him, apparently extreme end in mobility and explosiveness, able to get to reach blocks that uh, that most can't. Uh, so I think he's he's a little bit undersized. He's like a 6'1", 300-pound kind of dude. And I don't know if we want maybe more of a physical bully in there. Yeah, uh, because I know some power. Like Biotish wasn't the strongest dude in the world, but he's the 11th-ranked center according to Pro Football Focus for last year. I mean, I think that's a relatively cheap deal, 26 years old. That might be a free agent center. You could go snag Aaron Brewer. Just keep an I, eye I would out. just wonder, like, why would the Titans not want to bring him back? Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe he does go back there, but I don't know that maybe he's not franchise tag worthy. So maybe he tests the market and another team grabs him. It's an option. I mean, we, we've just had two centers get released here lately, too. So there are some centers that are going to be out there. I do think you want to spend your first round pick at expensive positions if you can. So if you could go get linebacker and center, not expensive positions taken care of in free agency, and then be able to look at that and say, dude, is there a tackle available? Because those are the really expensive players. And with the rookie salary scale, you're getting them in a slotted amount for four years plus a fifth year option. And I think the Cowboys are are smart to look to those elite positions in, in the first round, but... You know, I, I think it's so important to get a really good center 
that I'm going to take the premium player in the first round. I don't want a center that somebody else is ready to to move on from or willing to let go. You know, you need that next uh, guy. The the elite player is not going to be one you find in free agency. Headline: New York City men are paying five thousand uh, dollars for to emulate on their body what they believe David Beckham has on his. Oh no, what is that? What body part do you think it is? Is it his hair? If you could have one, if you could steal one part of David Beckham's aesthetic. The sleeves of tattoos? The tattoo, yeah, it does look pretty badass. Apparently, he has almond-shaped nips, and we've seen this throughout his soccer days, he rips that jersey off. Okay. And he, apparently, he that, yeah. uh, doctors are being quoted as saying people want David Beckham's nipples. And we're finding ourselves in a place now where this is becoming trendy. It is not the most common procedure I perform, says one surgeon, but it is definitely one that is trending upwards. Dudes are paying $5,000 to reshape their nips. Nipple I didn't know we reduction. had... Uh, I, I I guess it's it's about it's probably a, a reduction for most. What are we doing? And then there's a shaping here where that you want okay. it to look like an almond or a football, you know? Okay. Because it's not and it's not a football on a tee. It's a football like down that's about to be snapped by the center. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's a horizontal yeah. almond here. We're about to kick off. So whatever it is, literally, this is what is happening. And they're saying that men are continuously becoming more and more conscious of how they dress and how they appear. And apparently how their nipples appear. I didn't know we had oh, so much, uh, you know, so much fear about our own nipples. I mean, I know the pepperonis, you know, uh, you got your like dimes, your dollars. But I, I didn't know either. This was a thing that we're going reductions or trying to get like plastic trying surgery. Trying to emulate our- somebody's. Might be a pretty popular procedure on Oaklawn, you know, the gentlemen that are maybe even more worried about their aesthetic. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder which, how many of these dudes are are skewing that way, perhaps. But that was. I was not expecting to see that today. Uh, now, good news. You know, if you're a model, this this could be a huge career move. Hey, you know? the women have been doing it for a while now. Really? Yeah, they've been like the heart shapes. Really? Yeah, they've been. Nips? Yeah, yeah, they've been switching up for a minute now, man. And this well, is this well, is just well. this is just the areola. Yeah, just the areola situation. They can turn that thing. Well, I guess, listen. Yeah, it looks like a nice little heart. If Papa John's can do it with their pizzas yeah. on Valentine's Day. We can Day, do it with human bodies. Why not? <laughs> I love it. How long has this been going on, Lucius? For a while, bro. For a hot minute. Is there a shape you wouldn't get? I, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of shapes I would not be, I would not want to get. But the heart, I think, I, I think there's something to, to the Two heart. elephants. <laughs> <laughs> the trunks open and everything. I don't know. <laughs> A giraffe neck. Yeah. Something strange. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So maybe the men are just, uh, we're just following suit with the women here. The women have been doing this forever. Uh Behind closed doors, this to some is, extent, this never have been on yeah. my radar. This is crazy. This is pretty crazy. I do think caring a lot about your appearance as a man will really pay off in a lot of ways. You know, it probably will. It's That's never been my bag. You know, I couldn't work myself up to care or be consistent about caring. I've tried to be like snazzy dresser a couple of times. Like I'm going to get some business slacks and do that whole. Just doesn't stick. You know, I can do it for like a couple of months, but then I'm like, man, I got to go to the dry cleaners and iron stuff. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. The way you it's quite went the through investment. Vegas last week or two weeks ago, yeah. you made that very clear. That was Thank legendary. You. No, Thank you. No One suitcase. same set of clothes, like I'm a cartoon character every day. But the ladies appreciate that stuff. You know, if I had a son, the one thing I would try to do is just convince him like, hey, you, you're, you got this lane right here. You work out for three months, keep your haircut, get you a nice watch, maybe a tan, depending on how pale you are. Maybe a little nipple reduction. Yeah, and just have some kind of style. 
You know, I don't care if it's hippie style or street style or country style or city slicker style. If you put something together, I think you can go up two levels. From six, to, you're now dating eights. I'm with you. With 90 days of yeah, prep, son. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a 90-day investment could change the course of your future forever when yeah. it comes to the Now, to, I don't know if ladies. that means uh, nipple reconstruction or not. I don't think a, 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 a female's going to like hear that you did that and be like, oh, that's attractive necessarily. Until she sees but you. Know? But if she sees you, they're that impressive. Holy crap. Yeah, are you, we self-conscious about our nipples generally? I'm just a self-conscious individual anyway. But not specifically to the nipples? Now, once the shirt's off, I don't give a damn. I think if you're a shirt-off guy, you would be aware. And you're not going to be shirt-off guy if you don't have good-looking nipples. You know? So you're 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 getting everything dialed in. Like I just said, 90 days later, you're like, well, this is great, Dawson. But, uh, you know, I take my shirt off and all they see is nipples. You know, it's nipples for days. So I'm going to go ahead and hit this as the final piece of the puzzle. You know, it's like some guys, they work out, but they can't get the diamond calves, so they get the calf inserts as the final piece of the puzzle. Thinking about that one myself. Yeah, they want to go from 6 to 10. I, and I do think that's a yeah. good point by you. Like, this is this is the cherry on top of a lot of work that you've been putting in. Yeah. This isn't yeah. just, hey, I got all these issues. You don't start with the, with the nipple reduction. You finish there. Yeah. That's like, the, that's the, you've earned right. all these other things, and now this is what's putting you over the top. Because yes. I don't know how many times we're looking and like, man, that is a smoking hot areola. Like, that's the selling point for me. On a dude? Well, I mean, you know, I, I, consideration, bro. It absolutely is. Yeah. yeah. It can be the, it the, can be a deal breaker. The total package. It can be a deal breaker. Yeah, sometimes. You're you right don't want to be that. that way. You don't want to be that way. But, yeah, sometimes, I mean, I just can't get That's over just too it. much. The, the ratio has to be can't on point. Get over yeah, it. you can get some wild ratios up in here. Be careful. All righty. That's oh, the inverted out. situation. You ever had an inverted thing? I've never seen the inverted. Be looking for that joint. Like, I just had that. She finally let you what know. What's going on? This is not there. You're like, oh. Just running away. Are you, are you running away from me right now? I'm chasing something that doesn't yeah. exist. I don't live the life, bro. I don't live the life. Pokey poke. It's an any. We got to run. <laughs> Two down, three to go. Epic round tripper with Woolchuck. Let's talk some damn baseball. Do you take this as disrespect to the world champs? We'll discuss it next in the nation.